0: Welcome to Not So Standard Deviations. This is episode seventy-two, and I'm Roger Peng from the Johns Hopkins Data Science Lab, and I'm here with Hillary Parker of Stitch Fix. In this episode, we follow up on the progress of our data science design challenge from the last episode, talk about the future package for R, and serve up another of Hillary's habits. Just as a reminder, if you have a question for Hillary on how she gets things done, you can tweet it to the hashtag Hillary's Habits, and Hillary may answer it in a future episode. Lastly, we want to wish everyone a happy new year, and we're looking forward to another year of doing. Doing this podcast so i thought we could follow up on our do we have any follow-up for the uh design challenge any um
1: i got oh shoot let me actually check i got an email from someone with a good idea so i can mention that quickly and then um
0: and then i had so i have one hillary's habit
1: <laughs> okay cool yeah and then
0: i have good. i want to talk i want to mention just one r package just i don't know we haven't talked about R in a long time, honestly. I
1: know. Yeah, we probably, should, especially with our studio comp coming up. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I should probably like talk about R at some point in my talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, cool. Okay.
0: We um, we had some interest in our data science design challenge.
1: Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you writing that extremely ro- long <laughs> blog post slash paper about it. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. It, uh,
0: it just kind of like spilled out. So. There it is. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, it's. I thought it was interesting that you wrote it sort of in the style of the design thinking studies, where yeah, it's kind of like an interview, and you point out specific quotes that are illustrative of, you know, certain certain concepts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was super fun. I well, it, it, it was
0: weird because I was just like, I was. I don't know where I was, but I I was thinking about like, oh, you know, it'd be really great if I could find some example of, of like someone doing data analysis or thinking about data analysis and like and then you know to like study it and then I, it just only occurred to me that like the day before that we had done exactly that <laughs>
1: <laughs> well the same i didn't i until you wrote it i didn't realize that um i i just didn't realize that that was something that like i had the same thought <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: So, um, anyway, I just, I hope, I, I'll put a link in the show notes, but it, I hope it's helpful to anyone, anyway, who knows, but. Um,
1: yeah, you should uh, write a paper, you should make it into a paper.
0: Yeah, I don't know, like, you know, what's f- funny about this kind of stuff is that, like, I don't know where to send it, you know, like, yeah. where you publish a paper. You know, I feel like other fields, like, have venues for publishing papers li- like this, but we don't. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know, I've been struggling a little bit with, like, figuring out what kind of journal to send essentially like a protocol study, too. But um, I don't know. I might just ask around, basically.
1: Yeah, I encourage you to. <laughs> um,
0: are you still collecting data?
1: I am. I am. I, keep, I still haven't analyzed it.
0: Well, do you have any updates on the data collection process?
1: Um, just further realizations of how infrequently I actually do my commute in you, like
0: a. you never go to work basically yeah
1: i'm never going basically no it's just more like the number of times that i stop somewhere like i took some shoes to the cobbler and i was like oh here's another version of me and that is something i'm interested in because knowing like oh i'm going to do this chore and i do this chore fairly frequently and here's how much time it's going to take is like an interesting that is useful to know, because then it's easier. Those are the things where I actually want the data collection, because I don't know how long it takes, versus my normal commute, you know, my quote, unquote, normal commute, I do have some sense of how long it takes, just because like, in my head, I've been sort of doing this process of averaging the time um, imprecisely. (laughs) And so um, yeah, so that's That's the one thing. And then, yeah, just like keeping up with the protocol is hard. I actually got an email from um, William Davis about this talking about how I could potentially use um, some of the geofencing features and if this then that um, to like identify if I've been at the UPS store. It's like, that could make an automatic signal of like she stopped at UPS or she stopped at the cobbler cobbler. So I thought that was a smart thing, um, a smart solution to my problem. yeah,
0: we we got a message from someone else about that about the exact same thing about using kind of geofencing and if this oh time. really? Yeah.
1: That's funny. yeah, no, it's a good it's a good idea for automating it. Um, the only the thought I had in my head is that usually GPS works even if the Wi-Fi signal's down so i'm right. not sure because the bus takes the same route that i take um for the most part i guess it's true that there's like i could probably actually i can think of ways in which the bus the well okay the bus takes a slightly different route but it's like within a block and i don't know how accurate the geofencing is
0: i don't i find geofencing with my phone at least to be kind of at best hit or miss
1: (laughs) yeah that's sort of what i i used to have an if this and that i have one of those japanese water boiler things and um i used to feel all guilty and want to turn it off whenever i wasn't in the apartment um but it just ended up being more trouble than it's worth and it i I don't even think it uses that much energy just to be on all the time (laughs) right yeah just to
0: maintain the heat yeah
1: (laughs) yeah exactly and um what else is it? The um oh the other thing was that it like reset the little jingle it does when it's ready. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, do you guys still have that one at um at Hopkins that I bought for? You better,
0: you better believe it. Yeah, it sings a song when it's ready. Yeah.
1: You know you can leave that on all the time, right? Like, <laughs> I didn't realize that, and so I remember there was a concern about like having hot water throughout the day to make tea in that kitchen. Right. So you could just have it on out there with hot water all the time.
0: I don't think there's like a huge demand for tea in the. Department. I thought you,
1: yeah. I thought you were a user of that old like carafe thing or whatever you call it. Sam no, LaFar. I don't
0: know. I just I'm not that. I mean, I am a tea drinker, but I'm not that big of a tea drinker.
1: Yeah. The other thing I realized recently, because I've been drinking more tea because I'm sick, in case people can't tell, and like, tea gets cold so much faster than coffee. Like Is that there's true? only a very short window during which you can drink tea at the right temperature.
0: Ah, uh, okay.
1: Yeah, cuz water has less like heat retention properties than milk.
0: Oh, oh yeah, especially if you use milk, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, do you drink tea in like little cups kind of like Japanese, Chinese style?
0: No, I usually just use like regular whatever coffee mugs.
1: Do you just chug it then? <laughs>
0: Basically, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm gonna have some ginger tea right now.
0: <laughs> so I, I think I had a very similar experience to you uh, with the data collection.
1: Oh, interesting! Did you start collecting data on your commute times?
0: Yeah. So what I did is I set up like a, a Siri shortcut. Um, oh. So I, when I, I can tell my phone I'm leaving for work.
1: Wow. And,
0: and it what it does is it logs my location. And then mm-hmm. it calculates, it logs the time, um, and it says cool. my destination, which is going to be work, um, and then it, it it basically appends a CSV file.
1: Wow, cool. Wait, so how do you get? So Siri has like an if this then that
0: feature. Yeah, it's called shortcuts. They bought this company called Workflow, which is like an if this then that, and so now it's called shortcuts. But yeah, so you can kind of like write these little scripts. Um, but uh, i had no
1: clue that so apple enables you to essentially like i can see if they did that for something on your phone but for the for you to be able to append a csv seems pretty that seems pretty advanced
0: it's pretty like nitty-gritty yeah <laughs>
1: yeah exactly that seems like not usual apple style
0: yeah so uh that's I don't like think an the,
1: android move <laughs> this, the average
0: like apple I- iphone user i think is not you know, using this, but, um, but the problem is that I have to tell it when I've got to, when I've like arrived at work, you know? right? So, yeah. like, I'd say half the time I I either forget to tell it what, that I'm leaving or forget to tell it that I'm arriving.
1: <laughs> yep, sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. So
0: you know, so there's quite a bit of missing data already. Um, <laughs> the other problem is that we like we talked about this, and then it, it was like Christmas. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, so like exactly. I didn't go to work for like a week, and then the whole thing was like irregular.
1: That's funny, yeah, that sounds about right,
0: um, and so the other issue I found, yeah, the other issue I found is that, like every day like something kind of comes up, you know, and like you know, like one day like, I met someone for breakfast, and so like I didn't actually get to work until ten, you know it was like,
1: <laughs> yeah, yep, I know exactly what you're talking about,
0: <laughs> so it it's like it's almost like there's like this philosophical question It's like, what is my commute, you know, like
1: mhm, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: so, anyway, it, but you know, I guess capturing that variability is just part of the whole thing, right? I mean, I think. Yeah. Um so it, and then yesterday yeah, yesterday I was uh <laughs> I was thinking about your log normal distribution because uh like every step of the way I, I something like happened. Like there was an accident or there was a fire or there was police cars <laughs> and I had there to There was like, a fire? Wow. Yeah, there was like this house that was on fire, so like the fire trucks were like blocking off this whole street that was like right on my commute. Oh my um, gosh. Wait, so- did you see the fire? Uh, no, I think it was, well, it was done, I think, uh, okay, but yeah. uh, you could see the kind of remnants of it.
1: Oy, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. And then there was like, there was like all these police cars and none of the- <laughs> I mean, it was like every step of the way, I was just like, stymied.
1: Did you get that data point?
0: You know, I think I, I think I did. I can't remember if I, <laughs> if I remember to like, you know, tell my phone that I had arrived at work. I think I did. Though. I think I may have gotten that one.
1: Nice. Next. Oh, you were on your way to work?
0: That was on the way to work, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah. I mean, I guess on your way home, did you have to miss a meeting?
0: No, I, luckily I didn't have anything scheduled. So,
1: yeah, that's yeah. just frustrating. Wow. Yeah, yeah it was funny. Um, Mara Averick from our studio also chimed in. She was like, I never wanted to be able to talk more (laughs) than this episode because she was talking about, I think sometimes she takes like a motorcycle or like scooter. Yeah. To work. And so um, she said it's like great except for if uh, like if it rains and she's going over these greats, it's like she could just totally crash and die. Yeah, I think it was like, a, like, like a graded
0: bridge or something like that. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. And she was like, "Talk about a long tail." <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Commute time infinity.
1: Yeah, exactly. He yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never get home, and then who would do the data analysis? <laughs> I know, right?
0: Like that's really what it comes down to. Exactly. I just yeah. think it's funny that if it tur- I think it, <laughs> if it turns out that it was a motorcycle and you said scooter, I think that's like a great.
1: I know I feel bad we should check right now that's something worth a correction like (laughs) I mean I think scooters are cool but I you know admit that you probably couldn't make it into the average motorcycle bar with like a scooter
0: it was was definitely a motorcycle in fact she used a motorcycle emoji
1: oh okay got it I wonder what type of motorcycle
0: well we'll have to find out
1: we'll have to follow up yeah Hold on, just give me a second. I'm gonna let my cat in the room. She's like freaking out. Yeah, I understand.
0: <laughs> that was an adorable meow.
1: Oh, it's such a big. <sighs> She's a, we just bought this like really nice restoration hardware chair and like she, we're trying to keep her from like clawing it. So (laughs) it's like, let her in, but also guard the chair. Anyway um yeah we'll you're just okay.
0: delaying the inevitable is what it comes down to
1: exactly yeah, yeah. i think she's gonna come visit now all right um <laughs> yeah i started working at home now that we have the desk set up and so i have new our cat ladies photos because she's just like, <laughs> like she's always on the desk when i'm here <laughs> yeah. she always wants to be part of the part of the game and yeah well yeah. yeah do you use the cat in the box thing for desks
0: what is the cat in the box
1: it's like if your cat does your cat get on your desk when you're at home yes yeah so you can just like if you put like a box on the desk oh. then they'll usually just like sit in the box like their box attraction is usually greater than their distracting you attraction <laughs> So All right
0: i'll have to get actually that
1: speaking of that i need to go get the box <laughs> got it <laughs> All right, sorry. Saturday recording. I guess she's here no matter what. So <laughs> <Yeah.
0: It's... laughs> my cat anyway. likes to chase the mouse pointer on the screen.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. That's hilarious. It's also wow. super annoying, though. Yeah, yeah. It's a game of cat and mouse. If <laughs> you will. It literally is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep.
0: Um. So I, I can't. I don't. I had to lock them out. Luckily, they're not like these. Our cats are not the kind that like if they see a closed door, they must be on the other side of it.
1: Oh, Pima's so like that. Yeah, our old our <laughs> old
0: cats were like that, but these don't seem like quite curious enough.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I we we started making all these jokes about like there's like a deep state conspiracy. She's like she's like I know there's a small woodland creature inside this closet. Like even though I've checked every day for like the last two years. I am quite confident that there is still a creature in there that you don't like, you won't tell me about. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. like she's undeterred by facts, you know?
0: That's right. This Just time like, is different.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then one time we did actually have like, food in the back of the closet that's just like oh great this is like confirmed her greatest suspicion <laughs> I know. <laughs> but then michael pointed out that it's like it won't change her behavior like <laughs> like whether it was confirmed or not she was going to do it for the rest of time anyway so it's like right it there's matter. no
0: like information feedback flow
1: yeah exactly yeah it doesn't compute anyway
0: all right um cool any other updates Well,
1: only that I think we should probably try to think of another design challenge, data design challenge at some point. Okay. Um, The commute times was just easy because it's something I had already been thinking about. So (laughs) I'm not sure what else. I mean, I have my weight recording one, but that one's also easy. It's just like buy a whiting scale and be done
0: with it. All right. Well, do you want to, uh, I have a hashtag Hillary's habits for you.
1: Okay, that sounds good. Let's this one was, do it.
0: This one could go. This one could be very simple or not. So we'll see. Okay, yeah. So uh, Jim Skinner tweeted in. He wants to know how do you stay on top of new software and tools.
1: Mm. Yeah, this is not one that I'm going to have a huge answer for. Unfortunately,
0: but <laughs> well, I feel like well, I guess my here's another question: Do you stay on top of new software and tools?
1: I think at this point, I say on top of what our studio's uh, releasing, but I have kind of tuned out a lot of other stuff. And then the other thing is that I have this whole host of internal tools that I have to keep on top of. Like, I don't know if this is a feature of every tech company. I assume it is, or just like the ones I've worked at, but we almost always have our own thing that's usually some sort of open source tool plus our like special sauce. Um, and then we rename it to something cutesy. <laughs> like, um, like we have something for Kafka that's called data highway. And like, it's there's, there's a bunch of stuff that we have. Um, yeah. It's like, we'll we'll have our own UI for it or our own way of working with it and keeping on top of that in itself is like a chore.
0: And so wait, there's like a team in the company that maintains and develops that software.
1: Yeah. It's called the data platform team. Um, and I was actually just talking to someone at Amazon and Amazon has a similar model. Um, and I know this was the thing that our chief algorithms officer, Eric was like most passionate about when he started this team, which is that you don't necessarily have just like your support team. Um, like he, the, the guy he brought with him to this job, Jeff Magnuson, he has this whole blog post, like engineers don't write ETL. Um, the, the caveat to that is that we now do have a team that's writing ETL, <laughs> which is like super helpful. So I think once you scale to a certain size, you have to start. Anyway, the point is um, the, the idea is that, yeah, you you essentially have like a group of software engineers who are full-time working on creating tools that make it easier for the data scientists to do the engineering work of, um, being a data scientist. Um, so like tools for AWS credentials or launching jobs and like that team, um, one of them implemented airflow and we have our own container system. So there's like a whole host of things that I end up learning there. Um, and I, the way I keep on top of it is that someone tells me that I need to use this tool, and then I go learn the tool.
0: <laughs> well, it's funny because like you live in a kind of parallel universe where there's all this tool development that's happening essentially just for you. Um, and then, then there's like the other side of the fence where I live, um, and there's like this kind of open source community that are developing very similar tools, but for different kind of purposes and different um, you know, use cases, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, it's actually interesting because I go back and forth on um, like there's times when I get frustrated because I won't realize that this thing we've written is actually a wrapper for this open source project. And then I'm like, oh, well, if I knew it was the open source project, I could Google it and get answers on Stack Overflow about what to do. Um, So sometimes I feel like that abstraction layer on top of the open sourcing is annoying. But but then, I mean, I don't think that's actually true. Like, I read, there's actually this really good paper called the, um, it's called Machine Learning, the High Interest Credit Card of Technical Debt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs>
0: i think i did see this it came out a little while ago right
1: it did yeah. yeah and i it's so good because especially now that i'm dealing with more of these issues in our world um not <laughs> our world is in Stitch Fix world where it's just like I, they make the argument, one of their points is that in general, like general purpose packages um, are good for kind of an academic setting. But once you get into a sufficient production setting, they, they make the argument that it's worth investing the time to essentially implement your own, um, like do your own implementation of the modeling in like C++ or something. Um and have it be not general purpose; have it be highly tuned for the pipeline that you're pr- prioritizing. Um, and I can understand that because then you control like the version changes, and you uh, can like make it performant for your specific needs. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't, like I trust them that this is a good idea.
0: <laughs> In my experience, like we, there's always like this kind of alternation between. The general thing and the highly specific thing right like i mean just a very simple example like if i'm going to fit a linear regression model in r i'll use the lm function no problem right um but if i'm but then once i've kind of figured out what i'm doing and now i'm going to like repeat this model like you know a hundred thousand times or, so, or going to bootstrap it or whatever you know then like the lm function it's not good enough you know um and so now i'm like i'm just doing direct matrix calculations uh, oh,
1: so but, you do this yourself?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Because yeah. like, if I'm going re- to
1: do it in C <laughs>
0: I don't do it in C plus because matrix calculations in R are already essentially written in Fortran. So, um, but like, you know, because like the those nice functions like lm, they add a lot of overhead, which is like you know it's useful overhead for the average person, but then if you're going to be repeating all that overhead a hundred thousand times, like it's just wasted you know CPU cycles basically, um, and so. Then I so I've so I've gotten to the point where I like you know for like a linear regression I'm just like you know I'm just solving direct matrix you know equations basically Um, because it's so much faster and also those matrix libraries are all like parallelized and things like that so Mm -hmm. Um, yeah but but that's that's like that's like the very very last step in a long investigation basically right (laughs) I mean it's definitely not the first step right
1: yeah well I mean I think that's why this they were talking about this as technical debt not just like Oh this is the way to do things from day one. It's like it almost invariably you're going to have something that's built in general purpose tools and it's like at what point do you address that debt and they're saying it's like high interest debt <laughs> like um and I t- I think they're right and they had a lot of other good points too about like hidden feedback loops and like it it, it does feel like machine learning systems have a lot of extra complexity to engineering systems where like you can end up having really odd behavior and the technical debt is like kind of hard to address in general so
0: yeah i mean what i guess i mean i don't i don't think i i don't have situations that are similar to what you deal with but i think one of the things that is important to do when you when you know if you're dealing with a large software system that you're building and you need to kind of build a specialized like component for example is like you know one thing i try to do is a lot of profiling to make sure that like i don't accidentally optimize something that didn't need optimization you know um because then you just you're just adding complexity for no reward (laughs) yeah totally Yeah. yeah
1: no i think it's yeah you have to do a really careful like roi analysis (laughs) to use business terminology but (laughs) so i guess this is very far from the question of like how i keep up with things
0: no this is great I, i it didn't even occur to me that this would be the case actually that like you have like a another world of tools to kind of keep up with actually
1: yeah yeah and like i mean i have yeah like i said i i don't keep up great with it they kind of in general i think the comms around it isn't perfect like you can imagine that a team of engineers with like no PMs, like maybe the launch announcements aren't going to be the, <laughs> like, that's not going to be something they specialize in or like all of the kind of like the things that a product person would do around a software launch are like usually not, it's not as baked. Um, so yeah, like keeping on top of that is a bit of a chore and then, um, And then, yeah, I I mean, I think with like in the R world, I used to keep up with this stuff more via Twitter um, where I would just – I had like enthusiastic friends um, like, I don't know, David Robinson or other folks who would just tweet out about new packages all the time. Um, And so then I would be like, oh, let me play with this. And it looks – like the GG Animate one I remember was a big deal where – I think David developed that himself, but – It was just like so easy to implement and it was really fun and you know you have to make pretty plots so um so that was cool uh but i haven't been on twitter as much recently and i've been like increasingly focused on like the internal stuff and so i haven't i have no good answer
0: (laughs) well i think you know there i'm not sure there is a good answer because like i you know i do keep up with some stuff on twitter um but because like you need you need curation at this point it's like because you can't just be like there is like an RSS feed for all the new packages on Cran, but it's just it's just too much stuff going on and and that RSS feed a lot of it is just like an update from like one point one to one point two or something like that you know um, it's just so that you need some sort of curation but there isn't really a good I don't know I don't I haven't found a great. Mechanism for that. I mean, honestly, going to like, do I go to like a conference like r or something like that? Might be the best. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Even just looking at the talk titles from US UZR right. will yeah. tell you. Or like you. a
0: local R, you know, meetup or whatever. But mm-hmm. um,
1: yeah, but it is. It's like a PR game where it's like who you know has good branding and has good stickers and did a good UI. Like each R package launch or you know Python package launch is like a product launch in and of itself and keeping on top of that like i don't know it depends on i guess the stuff that has good pr usually also just has a developer who's really invested or it's like a place like our studio where they have like an entire team probably managing like package pr or something um and by pr i mean public relations not <laughs> pull request <laughs> but um but yeah so if you want to, if you want to be the person who's like finding the esoteric package from an academic, like I, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, I also switched to the philosophy, which I've talked about on here of kind of only wanting to follow projects that I feel like have a lot of backing um, and sustainability. And so as a result that almost always is right now packages that are coming from specific um, companies or organizations. And like, I mean the Apache software foundation is good for following stuff that's well supported um, in the like, I don't know, big data world, I guess. (laughs) And then there's also um, like, what is it? Um, NumFocus that is supporting various packages. So like, so yeah, the people who've gone through the trouble of securing funding and um, have an organization like attached one way or another, those are probably a good way to curate what's coming out. Um, but like for you, I'm sure that the average R package and like methods development thing that you'd be interested in won't necessarily come from like our studio.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, I feel like, I don't know if we've discussed this before, but um, it's funny to hear you say that because I don't necessarily, I don't disagree that it's like you have to be careful kind of what you, what package you kind of like, you know, make a bet on because you never know if it's going to disappear or not. Um, And I feel like, interesting, I feel like that was exactly the argument that people made against open source software. Uh, because like you never knew if it was going to go away or not, or you know, there's no company behind it, right? You can't trust software that doesn't have a company behind it. Um, and uh, I think it it turns out like it's like that argument was half correct, right? The problem was not like open source software, but there was like open source software is fine, like it's not inherently wrong, but there is an issue with like supporting it, right? And I think or the idea of like it, it may in fact be important to have a company behind it, right? Um, because uh, Otherwise, it's like it, it it could in fact go away, and we've seen many examples of kind of software being just kind of left to rot or whatever. Um, and so it's uh, it's funny it's funny because I think it's um it's gotten to the point where like open source is a thing, and you know it's not like controversial in any way. Microsoft's doing a ton of it, you know. It's like, but it's still the issue that like I think people might be wary of some packages, not because they're open source, but because maybe they're not really well supported.
1: Yeah, Um, yeah. And it's like the maintenance is the unfun part that isn't going to get you the glory. (laughs) I mean, it's just, yeah, like open source, I I don't know what the answer is.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, I think it's it's a very, it's a challenging problem in general. Um, But um, it's, uh, how do we get, oh, yeah, just talking about keeping up with software. Right, Um, yeah. And I think um, you just have to kind of, I mean, there's a certain element of, flexibility that you're always going to need for software even for commercially supported software um, because it changes and sometimes it changes in a way that you don't that doesn't suit you Um, Mm -hmm. and so
1: yeah i mean i think that is why companies have taken the kind of sla like a internal package approach because you can have explicit slas with the user that are like appropriate for your use case Like there's no, there's kind of like no formal mechanism or SLA for 99% of open source packages, I would assume. Um, And then for a few, there's kind of like a, like an agreed upon, I mean, like R has the SLA service level agreement, right? Mm -hmm. Service. Yeah. Um, And so like R has the SLA to not have any, um, to always have backwards compatibility, I think. Um, yeah
0: it's kind of a yeah some in some yeah. sense yeah
1: versus python like broke that with the python three stuff yeah so yeah i don't know <laughs> and some people think r should just break it and like make some core improvements but
0: right with, with like a, a legacy r version or something
1: yeah yeah what are your thoughts on that
0: i don't know i don't i haven't thought about it quite enough i think um
1: that's the thing. It's hard enough to sort internal SLAs. I'm, I'm doing some of that right now. Cause I work on new data that's coming in and it's like, okay, when we get new data, what is the commitment to get it into this system versus that system? And like what teams have someone full-time working on this? And like, it's a big deal to commit someone to um, like building a system that can deal with changes to the data sources is not easy. And so it, And then but then if you build a system that is brittle to those changes, then you can't like innovate, for lack of a better term. And so like even having that explicit SLA is like pretty complex. And that's sort of what I'm working on right now, hence my high interest credit card debt.
0: (laughs) Well you have to kind of navigate the spectrum between like we never make any changes and everything's stable to like we're changing things all the time basically
1: yeah exactly that's exactly it yeah and that's why it's hard because like some new company comes and wants to do something similar to us and it's like they don't have any of those dependencies so they can do something different and it's like you know and then people might expect that and it's like ah, it's like actually more expensive here to do something like that and so it's just an interesting uh i don't know it's a complex world we live in (laughs) I
0: i believe you just described the innovators dilemma
1: yeah it's, oh is that like a thing
0: oh yeah it's a whole like business school theory uh, really uh, yeah. really
1: well yeah i feel like i'm always just relearning the basics I'd, like as someone coming into a business setting from not business it's yeah i'll spend all this time like sorting something out in my mind and then there'll be like a term like innovators dilemma that's just like oh darn it that was so easy
0: well, I mean, we can't expect you to know everything. I mean, you, you know a lot.
1: But. Yeah. I, <laughs> I hold myself to that standard. <laughs> and I'm always failing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it does make me think that it would just be useful to, like, I don't know, go to business school. <laughs> like, like, how much, how much better would I be at my job if I took two years off and went to business school versus if I just continued and like pick things up along the way or are there like coursera classes or you know it's just it's like how much would you learn from book learning versus just on the job learning
0: I, well given that business school tends to cost a lot of money um i think you could probably learn 95 percent of what you would get from book learning <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> because i think i don't know i've never been to business school but i don't think book learning i don't think the, the content is like why you go there you know it's like i mean it's like part of why you go there obviously but um it's uh i think the content is not like rocket science and and <laughs> frankly you could learn rocket science too i mean it's not like <laughs> so i think you could there's some solid books out there
1: i hope no one who's listening is like crying at your subtle dig <laughs>
0: <laughs> i didn't think it was that subtle
1: i've heard that for people i mean i think with business school, it's like you learn all the business stuff and then you get like the tasting menu of statistics and stuff. So it ends up, it's kind of like, uh, you're going to have like in depth of one side versus the other and always feel inadequate on the other side.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Well, speaking of discovering new R packages, I was one I wanted to talk about today.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. You mentioned that.
0: Um, I it's not a new package. Uh, I think I heard about it at least a year ago, maybe two years ago. Um, but it's called the Future Package, and I, oh. think, I think i maybe even mentioned it like when it first came out, but then we never discussed it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, but you're I, right.
0: I've kind of rediscovered it, and it's a it's a package by Henrik Benson, who's at I think at UCSF. Um, and uh, and the reason so I've been using it recently, and the reason why is that I, I couple well, so in the first term you know, in the fall. I teach my statistical computing class, which is basically an R class, and I got to the lecture that I normally give on parallel computing. And, um, and so, you know, R has the parallel package, um, and it has a number of functions. in it. The parallel package is kind of the union of two packages. It was like the union of the snow package that was written by Luke Tierney and the multi-core package that I can't remember who wrote. Um, anyway. And so I'm talking about like, okay, here are these functions for parallel computing. There's this MCL apply. There's, you know, all these things. And it occurred to me <laughs> that as I was talking about, for example, the MCL apply pack function in the parallel package, that it actually doesn't work on Windows.
1: <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> and,
0: I'm like, and so like somewhere in the middle of my lecture, I'm like, oh, by the way, you can only do this on the Mac. If you want to use Windows, you have to use this totally other different system wow right and which so like there is a way to do parallel you know, computing on the windows it's just like a totally different set of functions um so that was a little embarrassing um <laughs> and it occurred, it occurred did you me,
1: have students who were using windows and were like giving you the evil eye
0: they, i think i got a little stink eye yeah but <laughs> i think for the most part they didn't really care that much about parallel computing um, yeah that's true <laughs> So, but
1: who's in this class? Is it stat students or a mix?
0: It's a pretty wide mix. It's like it's stat students, but it's also students from other departments. So, it's is it still
1: first year stat students?
0: Uh, for the most part, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's that's always hard because it's like a lot of people are coming in with probably no experience.
0: You know that's not true anymore. You know people. Oh come,
1: right, that's a good
0: point. Pe- you know, like everyone comes in with R installed already. Like that's like this just blows my mind. You know. Yeah. Like, huh. uh, which is actually a bit of a problem because it's always some old version of R. <laughs> oh
1: <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like, and okay, so, like, update R. <laughs> right,
0: and so uh, the nice thing about see now so it's a, always a problem when I'm teaching them how to build R packages because like R Studio interface like has changed so much. Um, and it's gotten better. I mean, so that's like it's a good thing. Um, but I can always tell when someone hasn't updated their RStudio because it, there's like a button that's called like install and restart for the package, and it used to be called build and reload. Oh, um, and so interesting. <laughs> I'm always like, who has everyone updated their RStudio? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I see that have build and reload, and I'm like, no, you didn't.
1: <laughs> and then you shame them in front of the whole class.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I put them. They, they go on a list. I have a list of names that I'm keeping track of. <laughs> um, anyway, so the so I'm like, there's no uniform way to talk about parallel computing in R. Um, it's a, you have to condition it on Windows or Mac or Unix, basically. Mm. Um, until the future package. So the future package, that's why I'm interested in now because it's like, it actually unifies the kind of parallel computing paradigm. It, well, not unifies, it abstracts all that stuff away. Um, and um, and so I think it's 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 really cool. And also, like if you you can like if you can if you have like a cluster that you log into, um, you can uh, you can actually like send jobs over to the cluster very easily and things like that. Um, so it basically, and this crea-
1: is it's, is it called future packages? Future?
0: It's just yeah, just future. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool.
0: Um, so it, it basically it creates this idea of a, it's called the future, um, and it's kind of you can think of it as kind of like a delayed evaluation. So basically, you wrap an expression in in this future function and you kind of think of it as being evaluated at some other time in some other place basically um and the default behavior is that it gets evaluated right away on your computer right but you can actually change it so that it gets evaluated like you know there's like either delayed evaluation or it gets um like implement it gets uh, evaluated in parallel or it gets evaluated like on a remote machine or something like that and so um, that's all like, and and the nice thing about it is that you can all you can change all these how it gets evaluated without changing the code itself. Um, and so it's, there's like these plans that you can set, and the typical the basic plan is like you know run everything in sequence, uh, but you can change it to be like run it in parallel or run it in a multi in uh, a multi multi core or multi session, and um, and uh, and so you don't have to. Ch- the nice thing is like you know when you usually when you write parallel code in R, it's like you have to change it every time you want to. Tweak some parameter, basically. Um, but now you can just kind of like leave. You can leave your code using this feature package, and then it and then just tweak the, the kind of the parallel settings without having to touch the code itself. That's uh, really nice. It's pretty nice, yeah. actually. Yeah.
1: Huh? Yeah. No, this seems worth investing, understanding it, it, it in. It yeah. takes
0: like it's a little. It's not like the most straightforward thing I'd to say to uh, to kind of grasp, like you know. And I think so. It takes a like a little bit of like. thought in terms of to figure out like exactly what is happening but there is actually a super nice uh, package called um, fur you know kind of like purr but with an F oh (laughs) Uh, F-U-R-R-R and it basically it parallelizes all of the purr functions like all the map functions in the purr package Um, it parallelizes them using this future mechanism. And so like actually oh, you can access really? you can access this future mechanism without ever having to like use the future package. <laughs>
1: nice. <laughs> Which is, huh. is pretty
0: cool actually. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That does seem cool. I just looked up the guy and it sounds like the the author of the future package, Henrik Benkston. Benson. Or no Benson, yeah. yeah. Is um a professor. So presumably he'll be invested in like keeping this thing running.
0: Well um, I think I think the re the main reason is because I think he uses it like all the time.
1: Yeah, so, um, and it's I mean you've talked about this for a while, so it's been around for a while. Um, yeah, I mean, at
0: least two three years, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. So that's so always a good sign. Yeah. It's um, but anyway, it's and I think he's got like a bit of a development community. It's not just him anymore. I think he's got some development community going there. Um, and uh, it's uh, it's I know it's really not. Nice. It's to my knowledge. Well, no, I'll take it back. <laughs> well. It is true that it's to my knowledge, but I don't know. But I'm not definitive. It's the, it's the kind of one of the only it, the only ways to talk about parallel computing without having to talk about the platform.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's very cool. I like that a lot. And um, I just looked at the fur package too, and it's um, it's the um the developers for that Matt Danko and Davis Vaughn. I think they they have a co- they've done some other good R packages like the um. There was some like time series, pl- uh, like tidy time series package. I can't remember the name right now. Um, but I think they have a startup where they're like developing open source full time too. Oh,
0: so. really? Okay.
1: Yeah. So another reliable, <laughs> I'm like <laughs> I'm Googling it to have the name, uh, <laughs> business science is the name of the startup. So that's cool. Yeah, I also like randomly. I'm I meant to mention this during the Hillary's Habits thing, which is that another way of keeping up with packages is to do workshops, um, which are like very expensive usually, but you also really get to know something. So I'm doing. I'm I'm speaking at our studio conf next week, and I'm gonna take one of the workshops on um, the Max Kuhn. Um, machine learning pipelines. Um, oh, the recipes package. Yeah, the recipes package. So I'm super excited about that because um, that's just like pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I saw him
0: talk about it at UZAR back in July, last July. Uh, it was kind of in, in kind of in a, in, in like a in, in its infancy, I think. Um, but um, so I, I'm curious to see. what I'll, We'll talk about it next time. I'm curious to see what you think about it, actually.
1: Yeah, I'm very interested because we just implemented our own, again, in, uh, in-house, um, like, machine learning pipeline solution that I think was built more off of some stuff from the Python world. And so I'm going to be interested to see the difference in approaches. Um, and then also just, like, I mean, that's the other problem when you have in-house stuff is that it almost becomes, like, its own ecosystem of open source people competing with each other. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, oh, that's cool that we just built this, and now I'm going to build my own version of it that's slightly different based on this, like, slightly different paradigm, and it's, like, it just... It's optimized for me. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, with any open source thing, it's, like...
0: Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm like so. I'll just say that like I'm like a little hesitant to use the recipes package, not because there's anything wrong with it. Like uh, he's, I think Max Coon is great, and uh, and it looks awesome. There's only one reason though.
1: (laughs) What's that? You don't like recipes?
0: No. I the names of the functions are they seem like just a little too cute for me, (laughs) and I'm worried that if I like start using it now, they're gonna change all the names of the functions to be like less cute.
1: Oh, funny. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know though because they've used recipes like to describe the Tidyverse for so long that...
0: But there was another package. I was trying to remember which package it was now that like... It, it was in the Tidyverse. It had like super cute names and then they like... They're like, these names are too cute and they changed them. <laughs> it's uh, not lubricate. <laughs> no, it wasn't even like that. It was like... um, It was something like... It might have been like Plier I can't remember it. Anyway, but interesting. Yeah. Um, so like it did. I, all The only reason I think about this is because it, I, I'm sure it happened once before. So, um, so I was gonna like wait a year to see if they like change anything, and then if they don't, then I'm gonna will use it.
1: <laughs> I'm looking. I see like there's a prep, there's a bake. Yeah, there's, there's a whole a cooking a theme. Yeah, juice. <laughs> i don't know i'm okay with that well um, I,
0: i'm not like not okay with it i'm just right i just i, I have a saying. feeling that like they might be like well maybe it's too cute and they'll change it
1: yeah it's like at some point when are we just the get off my lawn people where it's like because i feel like i mean I've, I've talked about this before where you get young developers and they like have fire in their belly and they really want to build something new and then when you get older you you just start to you you get burned one too many times, you know, cooking, if you will, <laughs> cooking a recipe, but it's, um, you get burned one too many times with something changing, like what you're talking about. And then you're just like, oh, okay, I'm going to wait for a while. And then, then you become cynical and you don't want to know what the new ki- the kids are doing anymore. <laughs> it's
0: like, right. And then you never want anything to change.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think, so, I a
0: think balance. it's clear that we are already there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's not true
0: you gave your whole there.
1: R studio or no your use R keynote on like not being there
0: that's true I uh I, you know <laughs> I don't want word to get out that like I've got a problem with Max Cooke because I really don't
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I guess I meant to say for people who don't know he did the carrot package in is, R
0: yeah which is amazing
1: yeah it's and it's C-A-R-E-T it's not C-A-R-R-O-T <laughs> But maybe that inspired the recipes. I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, they were presenting on like kind of how the um, tidyverse was like a recipe way before they came up with recipes. Um,
0: yeah, I think well, they've been iterating towards this for quite a while. I think. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah. It, anyway, yeah. we'll see.
1: <laughs> it's not the only. I mean, you know about brew, right? Like Unix. I don't even know it. Something you type like the homebrew, I think it's called. Oh,
0: yeah, for the Mac. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's like all of theirs are just like, it's like we're pouring. The oh, yeah. There's right like now.
0: bottles yeah. and casks and yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. It's nice. like all <laughs> I, I guess that stuck around. So yeah.
1: yeah. It's funny because there's these um, scooters called live scooters. And we were talking about this where like um, you can become a juicer for the scooters. Oh, no. But it means that you're charging them. And I was like, wait, no, that. When you juice a lime, it's the opposite.
0: You're squeezing <laughs> You're like, the power out of it, right?
1: Exactly. I was like, <laughs> it was funny because even earlier, this was when I was on vacation, and I, um, <laughs> I brought one of those external batteries for my phone, and I specifically bought one with USB C so I could just use a USB C to USB C cord. And so I did it, and I ended up charging my charger with my phone battery. Oh no. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, juicers. Like <laughs> I was like, I just went through this. Like These people are collecting up the scooters and like taking all the power from them. <laughs>
0: well, maybe they are. Who knows, right? they got know, the wrong cable. Yeah. yeah. But
1: I don't know. At the same time, though, like, you'd seen any. I mean, I know you're not against it. So I'm just, yeah. I'm but
0: I just... think there is a balance to be struck here in terms of the mm-hmm. meeting. I don't know. Yeah.
1: I agree, but then, oh my gosh, like, I mean, that's one of the things with internal tools, which I, I feel like I'm coming up to like negative. Like, I, the internal tools are great and they make my life better, but it's true that everyone comes up with their own naming convention, and then it's just like they're completely inscrutable. You know, you end up having to, and I mean, I'm guilty too. Like, we just built a new tool, and I, you know, we came up with our own name for it, and like, but it's, um, it's just hard. Like, it's describing software verbally is hard
0: I know and I think it it feels like you know it almost feels like to me like when you're doing math and at some point you just kind of like run out of Greek letters like yeah, you know, like you just like you just kind of run out of notation i feel like sometimes like it's hard to come up with function names that are descriptive but that aren't like super verbose and are like already taken
1: yeah mm-hmm. exactly i remember oh man i remember when i was in undergrad doing that where like i had my own i it was like one of the first times i was naming samples and it was just like you know i i named them whatever made sense in my head at the time which obviously wasn't like the standard way of doing it, nor was it, um, it was like I was using details that I thought were important that weren't important. And, you know, and so I just remember the PI and then the, we were like, it was like DNA samples. We were going to get them sequenced. And like the person was just like, what the hell are these names to the PI? And he was like, Oh yeah, this is weird. I was just so like devastated. (laughs) It's just like, Oh my God, I feel like such an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess this, like thinking about the design thinking, it's just like, I mean, the reason this is hard is because it's fundamentally like nonverbal rhetoric going on that you then have to like, verbalize and you always feel like all elbows while you're doing it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait, so how did you learn about futures and our future and fur?
0: <laughs> good question I think I saw it on Twitter
1: <laughs> yes I saw it.
0: it was. I think I remember exactly it came from Casper Hansen's Twitter feed
1: oh really okay so go ask Casper how he learned about it
0: yeah I think he probably heard about it because like Henrik Benson is in the geno- genomics community so I think he probably heard it through the genomics grapevine probably yeah
1: yeah, yeah. but then what is that
0: good question like,
1: yeah yeah <laughs> It's at some point, it's literally a grapevine somewhere. <laughs> right? Yeah,
0: somewhere in Napa. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So you want me to like trace the roots of this whole thing back back to the source? Yeah. Okay. It's like I'll come back. I mean,
1: this is just like the information. This is another thing that happens at tech companies where it's like at some point it's like, man, it would be really great to know all the experiments that have happened on this page, you know? And then it's like, can we build an app where like when you're on the page, it like displays all the experiments. And then like everyone wants to have some sort of unified thing where all the experiments live, but then you have, some that are just like dumb AA tests for, you know, like, or like you release slightly new infrastructure and you want to make sure it didn't hurt anything. And then, and then the real experiment that had like a huge impact on the business is really hidden. And, and so then eventually it's just like, eventually people learn that it's not something you can solve technically. (laughs) It's just like information and knowledge management is hard. (laughs) Right and, and communicating yeah, with other
0: people is yeah, also yeah, yeah, and
1: like, and I mean it it kind of makes it you it makes you appreciate journals because it is like a pretty effective curation mechanism for you know knowledge dissemination, if you will,
0: you mean academic journals,
1: yeah, yeah, like like the thing honestly that makes the most sense is just to have people internally who are focused on archiving or like you know some sort of version of. Hey, we've distilled the important information here, and usually that's just people with a lot of tenure who have it in their brain you
0: right know? the institutional knowledge kind of,
1: yeah, exactly, but then those people quit, and then it's like, yeah, how you, do you?
0: you need a librarian is what you need
1: yeah, I usually i my my like goal is to kind of write like retrospective documents of like, hey, we did these like two years of investigation and like product development on this and here's what we learned along the way and here are the big themes that came out like and then publish that somewhere where at least it's searchable and discoverable but um i don't know that doesn't always happen so
0: it sounds like something that would take a lot of time and probably not something you get paid to do
1: (laughs) i mean it's like whenever i do that people are always like this is so great so like i'm not yeah yeah, but I mean, I guess in terms of like our quarterly report, let's see if we move KPIs. It's like not helpful for that. Right. Although, but you assume it is long-term because then by disseminating the knowledge, people in the future are like better at their jobs. Um,
0: What's that because, word? You use long-term? What's that?
1: Oh. Um, <laughs> Sorry,
0: I'm just. Yeah, they're say joke. KPI? Or, no, wait. <laughs> I didn't think that people thought in terms of long-term.
1: Oh. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're making a joke. A like. bad one at that, yes. <laughs> no, yeah. Like, who thinks long-term? Well, we're starting to more a little bit now that we're not a scrappy startup.
0: <laughs> yeah, you've moved far beyond that stage, right?
1: Yeah, we're a year in. Over a year in now, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Well, I mean, you're, you're a year in public, but you're like, I don't know, seven years in, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, seven or eight. I can't remember.
0: Yeah, Um. so... Actually, one quick question that mm-hmm. came up. What is an AA study?
1: Oh, uh just like you do um control two control cells. Um it's kind of a it's a way of like making sure that your AB testing um is making sense, like just like a gut check on is our infrastructure performing as expected like for the AB testing pipeline.
0: So it's like a test of the AB testing infrastructure.
1: Yeah, essentially. Yeah.
0: So if you see some like a huge signal in your AA test, that's a problem. Exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And um and then I I then modified it where it's like you do a lot of AB tests where honestly I feel like a like many AB tests are just kind of do no harm. Like you're testing some sort of infrastructure change or a change that you kind of have to make um I remember at Etsy we did it when we came out. There was like the EU came out with the requirement for you to put on the site that you're tracking cookies. Yeah, Um, GDPR. Yeah. Well, it was before GDPR, but Oh no,
0: you're right. There was a different thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, but the same idea. And so it was we ended up having to do A B test for that, but you're like gonna roll it out no matter what. Um and so yeah, that there's Good reason for wanting to make sure that, like, control experiments are running as expected.
0: Yeah, I guess. Um, I guess we would call those negative controls.
1: Mm, uh, yeah, I like that you, better. Than... Where
0: you know nothing should happen, right?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Negative control. That sounds much better than AA experiment. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Um you have anything else to add? I don't want to keep you here because you know in your in your uh, unhealthy state or not unhealthy. I know, in your yeah. Ill hopefully.
1: State. <laughs> right, yeah. We we're it's funny. Someone else at work had the same illness, and his voice was just so much lower. It it like it was genuinely startling if you heard him somewhere else because then you would hear like the mannerisms and the words that you expect from this person, but the voice was like an octave lower. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, what's going on? And so, but then we were talking about how people end up liking that voice more or like, Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're just like, what? we prefer so, this
0: other person.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like we prefer sick Hillary, not healthy Hillary. It's like, yeah.
0: Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. I, I don't have any other notes here. So,
1: Yeah, I mean, we can do a shorter episode. Yeah.